We'll get started here in just a couple minutes after everything gets going. The camera's closer and it's a little weird. It's good though. I'll say some hellos while we get going and uh, pause my videos here. Although my camera froze. You can probably still hear me. Let me unplug and replug it back in. Mm -hmm. Freeze tube. That hasn't happened in a while. Now I'm moving again. We'll see if it stops. <laughs> it's so cold the camera stopped. <clears throat> hello, Unexpected Maker. Hello, Deshipu. Hello, Grig. Hello, Michael. Hello, Pierre. Hello, Eric. Hello, Grig again. Hello, Larry. Let me know if my camera stops again, please. Hams Lab says, great. Good news in my world. I finally got a job. Congratulations. Hello, Charles. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dexter. Hello, Anthony. Yeah, hopefully it co cooperates. <laughs> yeah, not not been a hu huge fan of uh, the weather here. I'll try rain and warm over cold in the morning, cold and foggy in the morning and And sunny and not very warm later. Hello, Michael. Hello, Tammy. Hello, Megs. Hello, Paul. Oh, hello, Dave. All right. Well, that was fun. Hey, Thomas. Hello, C. Grover. What do we think? What do we think? See, the camera is like well within my arm's reach now. Hello, Dinkelberg. Hello, Maiko. All right, let's get going. And uh, yeah, let me know if the camera stops again. <laughs> All right, so hello, everyone. My name is Scott, and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. Uh, if you don't know, Adafruit is a open source hardware and software company based out of New York City, but I work remotely for them in Seattle. So here I am in Seattle. It, the sun is out. Uh, the cat is enjoying the sun in the corner there. Um, and yeah, so they do open source hardware and electronics. If you want to support them, you can go to adafruit.com and purchase stuff there. They pay me to do these streams and work on CircuitPython throughout the, uh, the week. Um, CircuitPython, if you don't know, is a very sharp image. Good. I do. I love this camera, so I figured it'd just be better. Um, I feel like it's a little darker. Like it's usually like better lighting than it is now, but you know, oh well. Um, 
So CircuitPython is a version of Python, which is an easy to use programming language. And uh, we built on MicroPython to provide that ease of use uh, on microcontrollers, which are these little tiny computers uh, that are basically in everything here. So this is a, a Wi-Fi and a BLE capable microcontroller here that we're working on. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, oh, some people. Uh, yeah, so that's what CircuitPython is. Uh, a lot of you are regular, so I'm sure you know that. Um, this is a deep dive. It happens every week, uh, normally Fridays at 2 p.m., unless I'm taking the week off. Um, and it typically goes for about two hours. So we're going to shoot for two hours. I've got plans to play some video games after the stream here with a friend of mine. Uh, so we're going to shoot for two hours. Uh, questions are welcome. We'd be happy to answer, try and answer everything. I, I make no promises about my ability to actually answer it. And then last up uh, on housekeeping, um, all of the notes for the deep dives, because they're so long, uh, David is gracious to take notes as we go along so that later on you can look into the video what parts are what. Um, so all those notes are available on GitHub. You can go github.com slash Adafruit slash deep dash dive dash notes. Um, and Patrick has been doing a great job collecting all those there and making them linkable. So thank you to both David and Patrick for making that happen. Um, that's all the housekeeping. So let me just get a little more caught up on chats and then uh, we'll recap stuff. Uh, da, 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 da. Greg says, I recently used some of what I am learning in Python to navigate a bad router web interface using the module mechanize to auto reboot it via command line. Because if I don't, it eventually freezes and refuses connections. That's clever. Is that mechanized? Does that? Um... Oh, yeah, David's. Yeah, mechanized does it. It probably uses a browser to actually click stuff. And then DCD says if anybody has links that they want in the notes, just uh, put them on the Discord and David will put them in the notes doc. Um, Mark Tomlin says, hey, Scott, just got an AMD 5950X, and I got to say, great chip. After watching you compile code in the blink of an eye, I had to snag one. Yeah, I've been very happy with it. I'm, I'm starting to realize how uh, nice it is to just have a, have a really good computer to work on. Um, and so thank you to my GitHub sponsors. I do have GitHub sponsors as well, and, and I'm kind of treating that as my, like, upgrade my computer fund. Um, Python module emulates a browser. Neat. Uh, yeah, so thank you to all my GitHub sponsors as well for for supporting me. Um, Adafruit's by far the pays me the most, but thank you to the sponsors as well. Um, all right, I don't actually see any questions, so if you have questions, feel free to ask them. Uh, we can take a quick detour here to CatCam. Uh, because Dingleberg says the cat cam, yay. So here's here's full screen cat cam. Sun is out, which means that Spook is laying in the window there, stretched out because he's hot. And then uh, what you can't see is that under that cardboard cat thing, there's a heat vent. So it's been cold and sunny, which means the heat's still on. So he's been super happy uh, getting all the warm air blowing right right on his feet while he lays in the in the sun. So. It's a good cat life, I'll tell you that much. Hello, Andrew from Cornwall. 
Okay, well, let me go to the desktop. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was just to start from where we left off with CircuitPython 22. Um, I was going to shoot to have this be the last the, the last day, but uh, Katni hasn't done it yet, and so she's still uh, going to do that. So I'll probably do the final post next week sometime when I hear from her and anybody else who's still working on it. Um, but if we go to the blog and do tag, I think the last one we talked about was uh, <laughs> cats are heat seekers. Yeah, the camera looks professional. Good. I love this camera. I think my lighting could be a little better. Like this side of my face is a bit dark, but details. Um, I think we left off with Ken. Was it Ken or Foamy Guy? I don't actually remember. So uh, if you missed it last week, CircuitPython 22 is our kind of annual planning chance. So it's our chance to uh, talk about what we'd like to see for CircuitPython in the next year. Um, so I did my post and talked about it a couple weeks ago. And then uh, we've gotten a number of folks since then. So I figured I last last week I recapped everybody else. And so I wanted to just highlight the last few that we got over the week. So let's just go through these. I think we did talk about CircuitO. I think we did that already. And then over the weekend, I think it was Foamy Guy into Shipu. But yeah, if folks have questions, feel free to ask them too. So uh, I guess I, I could say something for Foamy Guy too. So Foamy Guy says it was their second year involved and, and Foamy Guy's just been doing a lot. Uh, and things that they wanted to call out was adding bitmap tools, boundary fill, um, doing automated type issues stuff, and uh, the library project screenshot utility. Um, so that's like super useful for uh, updating learn guides to show you like these are the files you should have. Uh, we actually have an auto generator for that now. Um, things that Foamy Guy is looking forward to. So it's it, it's excited that exciting that Foamy Guy is going to be dedicating Mondays to working on CircuitPython. So Adafruit is paying Foamy Guy part time um, for that. So that's really exciting. Uh, things that. Foamy Guy wants to do is get more comfortable in the core, um, particularly to make some things that take file objects take file names so that they own the objects. Um, continue building out display I.O. helpers to make it easier to build rich GUI applications. Gain more knowledge about bus device communication with the aim of being able to write drivers for new and existing breakouts. Uh, improve the information available on the board module and the stubs and get involved with working on the BLE workflow for the native Android app. Um, <laughs> yeah, so HamsLab, uh, is there a way for you to submit some suggestions? So generally the way this works is just post it somewhere. So if you have a blog, you could post it there. If you want to just do a GitHub gist, you can do it there like what Foamy Guy did. And then just email circuitpython22 at adafruit.com. That's a like mailing list internally that will go to Phil and I. So when I see that, I'll post, do a blog post that links other people to it. 
um, so that they can see that. So there's a couple uh, interesting things for Foamy Guys CircuitPython 22. One is the mention of the Android app. We actually just uh, decided to start working on that. <laughs> so uh, the person that we contract for uh, a lot of the uh, mobile app development, Antonio, uh, did file glider for iOS is now uh, has just started working on a file glider for Android. So uh, that should be cool. And we'll hear more when that makes more progress. Uh, he's just started this year on that. So that's exciting. And then the other thing that I, I wanted to mention that's tentatively in the cards is that um, I mentioned on a few past streams that I'm going to be out a lot this year because I'm expecting my first kid. Um, so I'll be out starting in March sometime, depending on when the kid comes. And, uh, what we just kind of looked at is that it looks like Foamy Guy is actually going to start streaming in this spot on this channel, um, on Adafruit. So, um, those of you who like this time for deep dives, uh, Foamy Guy looks to, will be, will be taking the torch for me, uh, hopefully. I don't want to like super commit him to do it, but, uh, he's tentatively said yes to it, so. We'll get Foamy Guy in this slot on on streaming for Adafruit, which will be awesome as well. Um, while I'm out, and then I I I honestly don't know what's going to happen after I come back. So, may can Foamy Guy might continue that. We'll see. All right. So that's Foamy Guy's Circuit Python twenty two. Um, next, well, we didn't actually touch on Keith, did we? So Keith, the EE, sent this one in today. Uh, not this one. This one. Also a gist. Um, and I, I thought this was, uh, neat to see, like, the sort of projects that Keith is working on. So a lot of, like, home automation sorts of things. Uh, but then uh, I think Keith did a good job of touching on, like, the community is really awesome. Generally, our documentation could be a better structured. So there's, like, really good high-level tutorials of learn guides, but then there's, like, the API reference, and there's not a lot in between. Um, so that that is pretty interesting, and I think that's a good idea. And I'm, Keith EEE definitely has a Python background, so I'm, I'm curious to see where they take, like, how they bring their Python experiences to CircuitPython. Um, <laughs> ignore my complaining. Oh, I, I'm not going to ignore it, Deshipu. I think you had good points. We'll get there. Um, so uh, another thing that Keith pointed out is time, date, and RTC. So talking about some challenges going from CPython world into that, um, into CircuitPython's timing, timekeeping stuff. Uh, timing sensitive multi-core JIT. This is an interesting idea that I'm not exactly sure what it means. Um, but the idea of being able to like run things in a, in a like real time way. Um, oh, and Keith's in the discord. Uh, scientific circuit Python. This is not, the, this is not the first, Keith is not the first person to talk about scientific, uh, circuit Python. Um, I think. Keith here makes a really good point of like, it doesn't need to be bulletproof, but like a, a lot of people can do science if there's like some handholding for the sensors and stuff. And I think that's 
and and talks about how the strength of CircuitPython is making it easy for non uh, like people who don't code primarily. Uh, so yeah, scientific CircuitPython, MicroLab and beyond, some more stuff that I don't understand because I don't just I don't know this uh, detailed statistics stuff. But uh, yeah, some cool things there. <laughs> Um, we got a question in the chat from Dinkelberg says, when will the floppy disk support be finished for CircuitPython? Also, congrats on the kid. Thank you for the kid. Um, I don't know the status of the floppy disk support. Jeff and Lady Ada, uh, Jeff and Lamore are doing that primarily. So I'm not sure what their plan is exactly. I asked them about eight inch floppy support because my uncle actually has a bunch of stuff he'd love to try to back up. Um, but they are still working on five and a quarter. So I think that there's a floppy IO. Is it a pull request still? I think it might be a pull request. Yeah, there's a draft pull request for adding the floppy IO module. So that's, if you want to follow along, I'd suggest going here and hitting subscribe and then you'll get updated when, uh, this, <laughs> but you'll get updated when when work continues on floppy io here um let's go back to <laughs> tammy points out it depends on your definition of finished i'm never finished with any i never finish anything i just decide that i'm done with it so let's see more specifically keith is talking about um, scientific in terms of LoRa, low power, heavily used in remote scientific studies. <laughs> a lot of those experiments are designed by folks without an EE background. I think CircuitPython could extend a path for data acquisition that Arduino and Raspberry Pis have opened up. <laughs> yeah, Aiden's floppy. Well, it's like code that he wrote in like the 70s or 80s. What's next? Paper, tape, and punch cards? I don't know. There was somebody doing uh, punch cards, I think, on the forums. Michael says, is there a way to get the BLE date time in CircuitPython? For a recent project of mine, I used Arduino code to update an RTC when connecting the NRF52840 to an iOS device. Yeah, so what you need to do is it's the, the current time service, I think is what it's called, on the phone. And in fact, I think I saw that. I think we do actually have an example of it. <clears throat> So all these examples would be in the Adafruit CircuitPython BLE repository. And yeah, there's a BLE current time service. And this is reading it, not writing it. So that's that's what you want, Michael, is the current time service stuff. Punch cards and paper tape could be read via OCR. Core memory. There was somebody trying to do core memory on the thing too. I think. 
Uh, Keith says, the JIT is just a silly idea, but I figured I'd think about it and mull it over. It's a flag so the compiler treats the following code differently, which means it'd be a headache and a half just to add to the core. It sounds also like if you look at the like the native decorator and the uh, native decorator and the uh, Viper decorator that MicroPython have, where they like do more work to to run it up front. Um. <laughs> um, okay, let's keep going. Let's see. Let's get Dishipu's out of the way because he's not super excited for me to go over it. Decorator. So let's see what uh, Dishipu says. Uh, lots of keyboards, has a library called MicroKey. It was cool that we now support caps lock keys and disabled disk, keypad module, boot modes, all that stuff. Um, no software progress on the walking robots. Um, Camera breakouts aren't working still. Oh yeah, there's a SAMD21 problem that we still haven't fixed. Um, there is a also a bug in the PWM code on SAMD that makes it hang completely in a loop waiting for a register flag that never gets set. I got that far debugging it, but why it never gets set is a mystery to me, and nobody seems to be interested in fixing it. I worked around it in the stage library by simply setting the backlight pin high, not using PWM at all, but I got bitten by the same bug recently in the Ocarina code. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to prioritize fixing bugs, especially when it's only one person that's hitting it. Um, sorry. Uh, it's tough. There's a, Yeah, we have like 480 open issues. So. Uh, the future um, fluff bug... Camera support. Uh, a new S2 board, but the display is non-consecutive 16-bit. The Cool Watch Project. Is the, is the Cool Watch Project the one that Joey's doing? Uh, that has a Sam L22. I feel like somebody was working on Sam L support, and they never got it in. I think it might have been the... Maybe the... the Electronic Cats folks might have been working on Sam L22, actually. <laughs> I know you're not blaming anyone, Tishifu. I do think, like, and we t we've talked about this before, like, it would be better for us to have a better way of um, doing automated testing so that for things like that, we'd know immediately that it was a problem. I think that's exactly this. Oh, and you know what? I did add a, an issue flag for regression, so maybe we should do that, too. Um, oh, Sam L22 can do LCD driving. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and I think the S3 is going to be cool too. I know you're talking about the S2, but the S3 is going to be really neat too. Mm -hmm. Hi, Roy.
Where is the spammer? Is it hidden because I'm looking at top chat? No. I try to mod as the stream goes. I just see a hello from Russia. I don't I don't see any spam. Am I missing it? All right, so this is from Ed, MD Roberts 1243. Um, says, I imagine CircuitPython becoming a very easy to create serious IoT sensor nodes. Um, CircuitPython with Adafruit sensor breakouts could be used to code the sensor logic. The ability to work over an RTOS so that a proper communication stack could be implemented in the background. This is successful in the ESP series, but I'd like to see STM32 or Nordic chips support the same. For a specific example, think of LoRaWAN. Hmm. And then I followed up with MD Roberts here about like what the best info for for doing LoRaWAN is. I think I think I was thinking about this actually as uh like if we if we had an RTOS under CircuitPython, what would that actually mean? And I'm not exactly sure what it would actually entail. Like, would we would that allow us to do more async stuff, or like we have it? Like, CircuitPython is <laughs> just us chickens. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. We've talked a lot about doing RTOS stuff in CircuitPython, and I'm not sure what that actually buys us. I don't know why we would actually use it. Um, I don't see any sp spamming yet, so. All I saw was a hello. <laughs> Aren't there LoRaWAN feather wings? I think there are. I think the LoRaWAN support, I think we do, we have LoRa support just from a library. It's not native at all. All right. Yeah. I'm here to mod if we need it, but we don't need it yet. Although I, YouTube did catch one thing that I blocked. Not from that person, though, from somebody else. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, we're all on the right track here. Um, usually, usually the spammers I see when I'm streaming are on Twitch. I think you, pretty, pretty much every week on Twitch we get a, like, pay for followers spammer that then I ban. But... All right, uh, let's see. Molecular, molecularist uh, has one big wish for CircuitPython and 22. Um, UDP. I want to see deep sleep spread to all CircuitPython chips. And this, the biggest one is the audio, more audio in support. So. 
um, having having uh, the ability to do audio input would be really great. And that's something we've had an issue for ages before. It's just I'm not a huge fan of doing audio work because I, I struggle with the signal processing side of things. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, this person also points out the like audio stuff in Teensy and Paul's done an amazing job there. So I think it's good inspiration, but I'm not sure who the right person to really carry that forward is. Um, so if folks have ideas and want to work on that, we'd love to have it. Uh, love to have more stuff in CircuitPython for audio. Just not quite the right person to do it. All right, next up we have Tammy, who's in the chat. Um, <clears throat> Hands Lab says, I may do that. I love audio stuff. Audio in would enable 64 <laughs> Commodore 64 cassettes. Yeah. Love to see Teensy Audio Library ported to a CircuitPython. I looked at it like a little bit, like actually just using it. But the problem is that it really is built on top of the Arduino libraries. And I just don't know what that involves. Um. <laughs> Mark says, people always ask for UDP support, but never sure if, if anyone is listening. I thought UDP worked, but yeah. Oh, you know, one thing, one thing when I was looking at the Teensy Audio Library is it does a lot of buffer allocations at compile time, I think. I think I looked at that and there was a, like a lot of static buffers and stuff and that's a problem for CircuitPython because you don't want to use the, you don't want to use the the RAM until you know you're going to actually use it. Hams Lab says I'm also going to make an audio feather wing with two inch and two in and two out and might do balanced inputs if I can fit the connectors and get the chips. Yeah, I think yeah. If you need help getting, if anybody needs help getting started hacking the CircuitPython core, please let me know. I'm, we're always looking for more folks to contribute. Um, yeah, static buffers. Yeah, that was one of the things is like so much code is written that like you're compiling it because you're going to use it when that's not usually the case, not necessarily the case in CircuitPython. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what the UDP joke is, is that you don't UDP does not involve like confirmation that the other person heard it. I mean, isn't it like unreliable data packet or something? I may need some help getting set up. Is there a guide? Yes, there Dan wrote a building CircuitPython guide. So uh, if you want to just get set up building CircuitPython, that's the place to start. Whoa, that was a big... UDP is shouting into the void. Do you have books re books re you recommend that are helpful? Books for what? Toddbot says, wait, what's the UDP joke? I think I missed it. Mark said, I could repeat the joke, but still wouldn't be sure if you'd get it. 
Ah, Kanto Robo, welcome. Um, never used CircuitPython. Seems super interest, uh, super interesting. What do you guys recommend buying to get into this? So uh, somebody on the forums just asked this, and there's a guide for CircuitPython boards. Uh, which CircuitPython board is right for you is a good place to start. Um, if you have an idea of what you want to do with it, let us know, and we can try to point you in the the direction that will take you there. Um, but that this guide that Katni wrote is one of her many awesome guides that she's written. <laughs> Tammy says, this meta humor is too much for my brain on a Friday of a week. I've been on the call for work. I know, right? <laughs> it's fun, though. I enjoy it. Okay, speaking of Tammy, let's go over Tammy's CircuitPython 22 before I get <laughs> too distracted again. Um, so Tammy says, holy cow, uh, the Circuit Playground Bluefruit's amazing, has sensors and connectivity, and is $25. Uh, CircuitPython continues to be a game changer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, hard to pick boards. Oh, there you go. We just talked about that. Things I'd like to work on in 22. CircuitPython de dependency management tools. Circup is great, but uh, we could have more metadata about the boards in the libraries that are for a given board. Something like pyproject.toml, but for CircuitPython. Uh, Twitch maker streaming. I love the fact that Twitch has grown beyond video games. And Tammy's shooting to uh, start streaming by the end of February, so I'll post this link in the chat if you want to follow Tammy. Tammy's streaming that will be coming later this year. Um, CircuitPython for Magic. Oh, wait, I'm, I skipped one. CircuitPython hardware for music. Uh, more synth stuff would be great, and I know Todd bought and JP would be on board with this, and, and Blitz City are all music f folks. Um, CircuitPython for Magic, I think this is really cool, and I think JP does some of this as well. So, like, using microcontrollers as part of Magic Tricks, which I think is neat. Um, getting better with Display.io. Um, the the kind of de facto guide that Carter did has been hugely helpful, but I agree that there is definitely more more to do there and like the graphics team sort of folks from the community have done a really good job of making uh widgets and and layouts and stuff like that so it's come um, an amazing amount uh, after i basically stopped working on it so that's been really cool um contribute more to the community well you're here thank you thank you for joining us tammy um i'm hoping to get all the rest of the streaming mechanics figured out this weekend yeah, and if you have questions, feel free to reach out. I obviously at least have this set up. Uh, design a CircuitPython board. Yeah, this is something I've seen a number of people do, and uh, it's, super, it's super fun to design your own board and see the software come up. So, um, And KiCad's great. I, I've just used KiCad 6 a little bit, and I just opened it to like open some source files from Lady Ada, and... I was really impressed. Like, KiCad 6 looks really good. I actually need to get back to making something. <laughs> Kanto Robo says, 
I will read the tutorial and try to make cute robots. I will try to document my journey. Awesome, yeah. And uh, if you're not aware of it, Adafruit hosts uh, show and tell every Wednesday where you can come show off your cute robots um, so that other folks can see it too. Uh, books that help with problems you run into with core development. Discover that reading through books is one of my preferred learning methods. Ooh. It depends on what you're doing. I really like the... If you want to know about Cortex microcontrollers, one thing is these books. Okay, see if I can reach it without unhooking myself. So here's a couple books that I like. If you want to go deep, 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 um, there's this book, which is ARM Cortex M3 and M4 reference. Um, you're not going to want to read it end to end, but like the intro stuff can be interesting. And then another book that I do use kind of as a reference too is USB Complete. So if you're doing USB stuff, this is the book for you. Um, really, really good reference book. Um, but I don't know, like software changes so often that books are not always the best resource. But yeah, as somebody pointed out, like the Discord's a great place. So we have the CircuitPython dev channel. If you have questions about core stuff, we're, we're always happy to get folks going. <laughs> David says, I'm reading the USB complete right now. It's very good. Yeah, it's a great reference. Um, Tammy says, I was super excited to get involved with CircuitPython in 2019, and then the world blew up and my body tried to assassinate, assassinate me last year. Now I'm excited to get back into the community. Well, I'm glad you're on the up and up, and I'm glad you're back. We're, we're here still, although I guess I'll be gone some this year. But uh, there will still be lots of other folks in the community that will be great. Uh, time code on those books, please. Yeah, we can double check here. Yeah, David's got it. USB complete. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's, I think we recapped Tammy's CircuitPython 22. Pierre says, I still have to upgrade to KiCad 6. Looking forward to all the positive changes they've made. Deshipu says, KiCad 6 is much better but you still should start with a schematic in it. I hope they will improve the schematic list workflow at some point. Interesting. I usually do the schematic first, but I suppose if you're doing something super basic, you don't necessarily need it. Oh, I think that was the last one because we already talked about Keith's. And that, well, that's when this one is too. So it sounds like a couple of people want to keep doing this. So please try to get it in by like Monday next week. Because I do want to kind of wrap it up. And it's good to have a deadline so that people do it. Um, and Monday, Monday next week is actually the last day of the month as well. So I think that makes sense. Okay. Any questions before I talk about the ESP32S3 and Bluetooth.
and I'll wait for it to echo through the fiber pipes. Phil's Lab has a KiCad tutorial on Udemy and it's free for a few days. Hmm. I rarely start without a schematic. Good to know. I like to explore which pins best used for what and such before I do the schematic. Yeah, I think what I find is that I end up laying out my schematics kind of like the board. Like I like my symbols to reflect. Um, I like my symbols to reflect the actual layout, which I know I think more traditional EEs like generally like their schematics to be more abstract. Um, but I'm kind of like, I kind of want to be able to do that planning from the schematic. Will Ampy be supported for the ESP32 S3 workflow? I don't know. I don't know why you need to because the, the S3 at least has, um, the S3 has native USB, so you don't need it. For the C3, um, Jerry pointed out that Ampy didn't work, uh, but I did a fix last week. that So the C3 should work with Ampy now. Um, oh, <laughs> those KiCad tutorials are no longer available. They ran out. Toddbot says, I'll have a CircuitPython 22 post, uh, but I'll be done maybe this evening. It's really just more audio control, please. Okay, th thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's going to do the audio stuff. Like, Jeff is doing a lot of floppy work, and Dan is doing the USB stuff right now, uh, adding a second drive over USB, and... Depending on how this BLE stuff goes, it may not be finished by the time I need to disappear. I thought I was going to be pretty good, and then I, I just ran into some stuff today where it was like, oh, this, the Nimble stack doesn't support it. So I'm, I'm a little bit more worried that I'm going to I'm going to run into some, like, I've got to work on Nimble things, which will, I may not, I may not actually get to by the time I have to take care of a child. <laughs> All right. Pierre says, for the NR52840, with few exceptions, Crystal Reset, SW, and ADC, any GPIO can do anything. Yeah. Yeah, they have that full, full MUX in the 840, which is pretty neat. They have some constraints about high speed, which pins can be doing high frequency stuff too, like native relative to where the radio is, radio pins are. Toddbot says, I'm almost able to write native CircuitPython libraries now that dig into system resources, so maybe I can work on audio stuff. That would be amazing. It would be amazing to have better audio. I, I took a lot of inspiration from Paul's Teensy stuff, even if I didn't copy it directly. Um, like trying to have, like, functions that take buffers in and out and do stuff but yeah it's 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 a little tricky because that like the audio pipeline also wants to be able to handle like looping so you could say like oh i want to loop this sample and and you have it all in memory you don't need to recompute how you got the sample necessarily um oh Dylan says, I'm relatively new to using CircuitPython, and I have had a chance to write a CircuitPython 22. 
It's great for the keyboard stuff I've used it for. I'm wanting to try it for some robotics related projects. Nice. And it's important to note that uh, like you can, if you're new to CircuitPython, a lot of what we want to hear is just what projects you want to work on so that we can make sure that they're doable from CircuitPython. Uh, Neradox says an issue with AMPI is that the latest imports Yubinaski to be binary safe. Uh, Jerry has filed a new PR for that. I thought we already, didn't we merge that in already? I guess we didn't. <laughs> Tammy says, I don't know if I know enough of the low level stuff to contribute to the audio stuff, but it's something I'm interested in too. Ham's Lab says, oh man, a looper would be great, especially after I finish my board. Oh yeah, I, I didn't mean like recording a looper. I think that's primarily what molecularist is talking about. Mark says, I wonder how much of the audio stuff can be done port independent. I know a bunch of it ends up port specific, which makes the work harder. File transfer over I squared C. I haven't thought about file transfer over I squared C. Ron says, is there a good book on the ESP32 C3? Book, I don't know of anything. That chip's pretty new. Um, and there is just the data sheet and the technical reference. Um, but I'm not sure what you're what you want to know about it. Let me just um, try to give a little bit of an audio code tour, because there's a lot of people saying they want to get into it. So maybe I can just be like, because I'm pretty sure. So here's the GitHub repo, and I'm pretty sure most of it's in. So Mark is talking about how much of it is port independent and port specific. Um, good night, Canto. Um, <laughs> Dexter wants a swarm of multi-processing circuit Python boards. Roy says better understanding or guide for KMK software keyboard software maybe an RGB in it. I'd ask I, I'd recommend asking the KMK folks, although Eva's been doing some KMK stuff for CircuitPython or for Adafruit. I find it to be a little complicated. I I need to get back to doing my keyboard because I do want to switch to it. Um, Charles says, I hope to see USB hosts soon. Ah, uh, me too. I don't think that, I, I doubt USB host is going to get anywhere near, like, unless Dan picks it up, like probably not till the end of the year at the earliest. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so so quick tour. So in shared module, this is where like code is shared amongst things. And so you'll see like there's audio core and there's these raw sample sources. So getting and setting sample rate, channel count, and then there's like this get buffer get buffer done, and then there's get buffer structure. I think this is kind of the core of the audio APIs is that there's this like, give me a buffer. Um, so it's, it's meant to be driven by the outputs, which is why input is not that well supported. But this, this stuff is meant to be um, more about like, say you have a sync 
So something that's outputting audio and it has to request chunks of audio in order to DMA it out, right? And so that that request is meant to kind of cascade through kind of an arbitrary set of transformations, which is kind of what the Teensy Audio Library is doing. Um, and so there's this, I think it's mainly this like get buffer, get buffer structure thing. And the get buffer structure thing tells you like whether your samples are next to each other or whether it's two different channels that are like alternating, um, basically like stereo or mono. Um, and you can see that here it's pretty simple and we have this notion of single buffer. So this says like, oh, by the way, like if you get a buffer, you're going to get the same one back, which means that if you did a transformation on it, that transformation could be cached basically as well. Um, so that's like raw sample. Wave file is more complicated because it's going to be reading from the file system, but it has, I guess, reset buffers new, but it also has this like get buffer call and then a get buffer structure call still. So I think that's, so these are the things where like sound originates and then there's audio mixer and there's like the mental model I have for mixer is that you have like any number of voices or like channels on the mixer and then for each channel you can do something. Um, it's been a long time since I did this. But you can see it has pretty similar like get my sample rate. Um, mix down one voice. Yeah, but there's still this like get buffer call again. And then there's a buffer structure as well. So it's kind of like you're building all these objects up and they all have the ability to like get a buffer and output it. Depending on the math needed, the hard stuff gets into the port specific code. Yeah, if you're if you're trying to optimize based on on assembly instructions. Mixer voice. Audio PWMIO. Yeah, so Jeff's Jeff's the last person that was in here. Um, but then again, you still have this get buffer, get buffer structure thing. And then if you're looking for outputs, the outputs will be port specific because they'll they'll depend on the board. So like if we go into Atmel SAMD common hal and we do audio bus, uh, it has PDM in and then I2S out. Dexter says kick on voice one, zero, snare on voice one, mixer works pretty well. I'm not a math ninja either, Tammy, I feel ya. So like here's how I2S out works. So it's got this play, so you would give it uh, a sample and the sample here is maybe I should make this bigger and make sure I'm showing it 
so what you would do is you would kind of have like this tree or, or network of audio generation classes and then you would call like i2s out play and then it's going to figure out like what's the sample rate clock the thing that's doing the outputting at that sample rate figure out how many channels there are depending on the channels set up the output to be the same amount of channels and then setting up audio dma and that might be, I think that's shared because the DMA on the SAMD21 is this, like, very, like, you could use it for multiple ways to output stuff. Um, where is this defined? Oh, you know what? We can use this. I got my. Invite to code search on GitHub. So Raspberry Pi has its version, Atmel has its version. Uh, here's the implementation. So this is what it looks like on the Atmel side setting up a DMA descriptor, getting the structure of the buffer. So that's something we saw in the mixers and things. We reallocate our two buffers. So like we're doing a double buffering, so we're alternating between them. Um, and setting up clocking for it. And then audio descriptor. That must be the DMA still. I'm trying to find where we actually load the buffer. DMA callback function, DMA load next block. Oh, come on, I can't go to it. I know they have this nice. No, there it is. <laughs> if you're zoomed out far enough, you can do this search for that. And if we find it, this is where it's calling the audio sample get buffer. So that's calling into things and getting getting the buffer back out and then DMing it. Um, hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea, but obviously it's not something I worked on recently, so I, I don't have a lot of, a lot of brain cells dedicated to it at this point. Um, Ron asks, what do you think about the uh, ESP32 by best-selling author Eric Bartman? I have not looked at it, so I don't know. My resource tends to be uh, data sheets and technical references. That's usually my the resource that I usually look at. IDF, the ESP IDF has pretty good documentation too. Um, Oh yeah, and Pierre is a, a keyboard person, so can help with KMK. Uh, da, da, da. Are there keycad parts defined for the feather connectors? I have some somewhere. I don't know if they're correct. I don't know what the best way to do it is. But if you wanted like 3D models, they're just standard uh, pin headers. 
All right, well, if anybody wants to take a look at the audio code, I, it would be awesome. Um, CircuitPython Dev on Discord is a great place to do that. And oh, I didn't say this, at the, I forgot this in housekeeping. If you're watching on YouTube but aren't on Discord, you can join the Discord by going to the URL adafru.it slash Discord. Um, and then the middle box now above me is the, the live broadcast chat channel for that. And that's great. The great thing about Discord is that it's chat that's around all the time. Um, and it's been growing and growing, and it's a great resource for folks. So I, I like replied to multiple issues today being like, are you on the Discord? If you have questions, like that's the best place to ask. Um, OK, so let's go through, um, give an update on the status of Beely on the ESP. And then I might just try to work on it for the remainder of the, of the stream, unless people have requests for what you'd like to see me do. Otherwise, uh, maybe I'll, I'll try to like make a little progress. It's really hard for me. OK, well, let me, let me not finish that thought and instead give you the background first. So this week, I think since, since last time, what do we have? Uh, I added BLE scanning and got that checked in yesterday. So that's the ability to, so BLE, Bluetooth Low Energy. Um, we've talked about it before because I did a lot of the workflow stuff on the stream. But uh, the short of it is that there's really two stages to BLE. Uh, to Bluetooth Low Energy. There's one stage where you're not connected to any other particular device, um, and that's known as GAP. I forget what it stands for. Uh, but it's the process of like discovering other devices around you and then initiating connections to those things. And then there's a second stage, which is usually called GAT, which is all about once you're connected, how do you figure out what the other device can do and, and do the things with the other device. Um, so gap is kind of what I'm working on first because you have to do you have to do the scanning and advertising and connecting parts before you can get to the part of doing stuff over connections. So I got scanning working, which is uh, what's known as the central role, which is the I'm looking at what's around me and I may initiate a connection to something else. And then the peripheral role is the opposite and that's advertising. That's saying, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. And and this is what I can do, or this is the information I have. Um, so that's kind of the two main roles. And so this week on the S3, I got scanning working. I, and then I got um, advertising working yesterday as well. And I woke up to Dan having just merged it in, which is great. Uh, it took a, the scanning took a little while, but the, uh, the, it took a while for the PR to get finished. Uh, but the advertising went pretty quickly. So the next thing on my list was doing. The next thing on my list was doing server support. Um, so once you're connected, you basically have two devices that are kind of peers. And this is, I think, something that really confuses people of like. When you're in that gap role of finding other things like your uh, one person is the central, one is the peripheral. 
But once you're connected, either side can disconnect and either side can be either providing a service or using a service. Um, and this generic access protocol. Thank you, Bruce. Um, and so there's kind of two separate roles then. Once you're connected, uh, you can have both a client, somebody work operating as a client of another of the other person or as a server. So it's a client or server is the terminology that they use. And when I, it took me a long time to like understand all these terms um, when I was first doing BLE, but it does, I think, I think they ended up with the right terms. It's just really not, at least it wasn't explained well where I was looking at it. Um, but it really is like one of the more helpful things I think with BLE is just separate in your mind that advertising, scanning, connecting part from the once we're connected, now we can discover like the service, the servers that the other person provide, the other device provides, and then you can provide services as well. And when you're the person providing a service, it's called being a server. And then the client of that server is interacting with service. Uh, there will be a pop quiz at the end of the stream. Um, so yeah, that was the main thing that I was working on. You can see that these other PRs that I did were seven days ago. And Pierre confirmed that it can be confusing. Oh, and Bruce linked to a punch through. Let's see what this is. Um, yeah. The general topology of the network stack. GAT refers to how data is transferred. Oh yeah, they even sp split up peripheral and central. Broadcaster versus observer. So I think I think in terms of Beely, and, and I thought this kind of from the point that I was working on it, is the power of, of Beely advertising and scanning, being a broadcaster or reserve observer is like, underrated like people don't fully use it um i did this project um a while back when i was doing it earlier called broadcast net um and this is what it's called here but um jp wrote it up as a guide and um the idea was that you would just have one one or more devices that were just actively listening for kind of standard advertise standard standard packets of like iot data that not sensitive could just be like the temperature in your house and the idea was is that when you need to uh it would just listen for any of these packets and then it would send them up to adafruit io automatically and if you wanted to add a new sensor, you wouldn't have to change that piece at all. Just when you turn the sensor on, the the listening piece then automatically creates new feeds and stuff and sends it up. Um, so I think that would be, yeah, that was pretty cool. But the problem was is that at the, still there the only thing that can can really do like the the net networking side and BLE side is like a Raspberry Pi. So this this guide uses a Raspberry Pi to do the BLE scanning and then writing 
to whatever web thing that you want. So one thing I'm very excited about and could actually do now is run the like bridge uh, using the ESP32S3. So it would be listening for BLE and then do a Wi-Fi network call to report it back when, when it hears stuff. So I think that would be pretty cool. Let's see. BLE is terrible. The terminology and the process, they try to make it better by doubling down on wrap every version. On stuff, every version. Distribu says, question about BLE keyboards. Would it be possible to make a split keyboard so that one of the halves is connected both to the computer and to the other half? Um, I think that is possible. The thing that you have to watch out for is usually it's a compile time co compile time uh, configuration for how many connections you can have at once. But usually you can have uh, multiple at the same time. And Pierre is confirming that that says that's what everybody that does BLE splits do. Pierre says beacons that don't actively get connected to really fit in that terminology. I wonder how much more complicated it will be with mesh. Yeah, a lot of the Linux side, particularly, like a lot of the uses for uh, BLE advertising and scanning is really just to discover a device you want to connect to. So it's it's that software is not usually designed for the case where were you doing like broadcast net where like, no, I want to listen to every advertisement. I want, I want to hear every advertisement because the data is changing and I care about the data that's changing. Um, and if you followed any of the COVID, um, any of the COVID uh, proximity, what, what's the contact tracing stuff that like Apple and Google did, that's all with, um, that's all using Beely advertisements as well. Um, scanning and advertisements. That'd be incredibly powerful in so many use cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got what you meant by rap. Um, I don't know. I'm, I generally think Beely 4 and 5 have been pretty good. Uh, will the code be interchangeable for BLE between ESP32 and the NRF52840 boards, or will there be slight variations? Hopefully, hopefully they'll be the same. Um, and yeah, Dishipu says that's what nimble thing is for. Hopefully they'll be the same. The thing that you might run into is there might be things that aren't supported. So I'll give you one example that I think we're going to have is that the ESP32, not the S3, not the C3, but the 32, um, can do BLE, but it's BLE 4.0, which means that I don't think it can do extended advertising. Whereas, uh, and BroadcastNet uses extended advertising if, it, if you're sending enough data. Um, so there might be things that... that Although the API will be the same, 
it would raise an exception if you tried to do it because if it was unsupported. Um, so yeah, I like I missed this little like brief thing where I was like get, getting really into it yesterday. And then now it's three o'clock on a Friday and I'm like, I don't really want to get too much into it. Um, but we can take a, a, a bit of a look at this. I'm guessing Beely scanning and advertisements is how Apple AirTags work too. Just, yeah, I believe so. I believe AirTags are basically this, AirTags are basically the same thing as um, the contract tracing stuff. And the way that, that all that stuff works is there's like, you provision encrypted broadcasting numbers that you're broadcasting based on uh, like from the AirTag or your phone for the COVID case. And those seem like random numbers to most people, except if um, you know that the key is something or something like there's a bunch of cryptography around what you're broadcasting um, so that like it, it's private. The, the problems that iPhones have been running into that, that Apple has been running into with the AirTag privacy is really when somebody attaches not, not your AirTag to, to you so that they can track you. Um, ah, so unexpected maker says the, the ESP32 can advertise extended stuff because that's what they're using for the SAM but I'm not sure if it can receive extended. Newer versions of BLE are adding parts for like angle tracking and things like that, which is fancy. Actually, maybe that's what I should do right now. Should I see if I could get this broadcast net bridge going? <laughs> that might be, that might, yeah, let's try that. Let's just see if we can't get. The air tag main issue isn't a technology problem, it's a people one. Keith, are you saying getting the broadcast net stuff going would be cool? Good night, Dave. Thanks for hanging out. I think that is a good idea. It should port. So we it uses BLEIO to do it. All right, let's do that. That's a good idea. Where is the source? Blinka Bridge.
Oh, it's just in the broadcast net directory. Okay, so let's see. This is my PSRAM version. So let's start here. I do have, I actually do use broadcast net here, but I think the Raspberry Pi that I had running the bridge is broken. So. Samrax send data to the Raspberry Pi from a TP Nano in MicroPython using extended advertising. Nice. Okay. So I've got this. And this was my my advertising test. So it actually allows it advertises as being connectable, and then it just prints out when it's connected and disconnected. So I got that far, confirming that I could connect and disconnect. Okay. So. Let's find this broadcast net stuff. I should say that broadcast net is not as useful as it was at the time because Brent has done a lot of, Brent and Lauren have done an awesome amount of work with um, Whippersnapper and these inexpensive uh, Wi-Fi capable, like the QDPi S2 would be perfect for this sort of stuff too. Um, I don't know what the battery life looks like. The battery life differences look like between ESP32 and the NRF. Um, but it doesn't really matter if you get them both sleeping pretty deeply. Um, there is a bug slash miscommunication about the way that ESP sleep works or sleep works, deep sleep works, um, that I filed an issue for. And somebody had commented that when CircuitPython wakes up from deep sleep, it's on for at least five seconds. And um, that was really weird to me because I thought the policy was that we'd only be on for five seconds the first time to see if you're connected to USB. And it turns out the way it's implemented, it's all, it always does it, which means that you're always awake for at least five seconds, uh, even if you've been trying to deep sleep. So I, want, I filed an issue where oh, I want us to fix that. Because a lot of the challenge with uh, low power is just being asleep for as long as you can. And when you wake up, being on as short as possible time. Okay, so BroadcastNet has some issues. I'm not going to get distracted by that. Um, let's just, I'm just going to download a fresh bundle and snag it from there. So I can have the latest version. I don't use Circup yet, so don't hate me. I'll just download this and extract it all. So here I am in the bundle. And in examples, we're going to want 
broadcast Bealy broadcast net blinker bridge. It's called blinker bridge, but we're gonna make a non-blinker bridge. So we're gonna copy that. That'll be our code.py. And then we also are gonna need the actual library. Let's get the stuff going here. TO dev serial by ID USB espresso. Oh, I already got it open. It's there, but let's move it to the bigger one. <laughs> I aspire to that low power lifestyle. <laughs> A circup non-believer get him. I just I'm 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 a believer in circup, but I just I've done circuit Python for so long without it, as Keith e, Keith Keith points out, workflows are hard things to change. Like fundamentally, the way I program by like using the command line and an editor that doesn't do fancy type stuff is like very much like the way that I started. Printf debugging is like it's just the way I've always done it. I wonder what things I have actually incorporated. That would be interesting. A lot of it's the same. I've been doing Python for almost 20 years, I think. Huh. If your iPhone supports ultra wideband and your AirTag is nearby, you can use precision finding to help find it. Fancy. I've been a vip, Vimmer for decades. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I expect the maker points out you can Im you can import Adafruit's Eagle files into KiCad. That's actually how I was using it. <laughs> that explains why I couldn't import PDB. Yeah, I've just I've have ne never used PDB myself, and so that's not something I felt like oh, I gotta have this. I did start using F strings everywhere, which is cool. Um, okay, let me rename this code.py. This is my workflow too. Advertising simple test. And then I want to use this. So I'm going to rename this to code.py. Gerber says the footprint is fairly easy to create. I have a few different two-layer designs with custom silk layers in KiCad. Not work. There's this lag that I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes I need to do a sync to get it to write the full file. No module name secrets. Yeah, that's it needs my I don't want to show my Adafruit I.O. credentials. That's why I pulled it off the screen. Uh, but I might have a copy of the... No, it would be on the Raspberry Pi. Let's just not uh, do that right now.
Didn't KeyCAD 5 have import as well? Uh, I'm just going to comment out secrets here. I don't actually care to do the Adafruit IO pieces right now. No requests. Actually, we could. I could copy requests over though. Oh, is it, it might be importing regular requests. Import Adafruit requests as requests. <laughs> This conversation shows why Discord is great. Ooh. Just curious, I haven't looked into this, but is there any good libraries for creating and managing SQLite databases on CircuitPython hardware directly? So somebody made a micro SQLite for MicroPython that looks really neat, and I would totally be game to have in CircuitPython, but I haven't looked into it. Um, so yeah, I would look in MicroPython land for SQLite stuff, and it would be super neat to have it in, in CircuitPython. But we don't yet. We don't yet. So Adafruit Bealy Bealy Broadcast Net is not available. So let's do that. Yeah, I would like this to, oh, it must be a single file. It would be cool to have this supported. <laughs> Name secrets is not defined. Yeah, I'm just going to comment everything out. AIO auth header. Where is that? 994. Existing feeds, let's just, I just want to print it out. Actually, I wonder if there's a simpler, oh, well, it started up. <laughs> Scan done. Does it have a timeout? I don't think it's supposed to have a timeout. Does start scan have a timeout now? I don't know. I was wondering if I think I have Oh no, you know, I think I I disconnected the sensor downstairs. <laughs> um, okay, let me update this other, let's get two going and see if we can't get both ends working on a S3. So I've got here another board, but this is a mini. I think this, this is one that doesn't have any RAMs, so I'm going to have to make sure I load the right thing onto it. Um... And in fact, I'll do it on the UART. That is an N8, yeah. 
So let's go here, make, and then let's not do debug. Oh, and it, oh, I guess that is right. So we'll build and flash that. For a recent project, I ended up just logging data to a text file on the CircuitPython hardware. Then I made a Python script on the computer to parse and append data to a SQLite database. That's a good intermediate fix, but it would be cool to support SQLite. I'm, I'm a huge fan of SQLite. Um, I like that I don't have to worry about running a, a database, primarily. All right, so we should be flashing. Well, we're building, and then we'll flash the PS RAM list version of CircuitPython onto this second board, and we'll do the broadcast net. I don't know. Have we hooked up the temperature sensor yet? But we'll get it, it, it broadcasting out, and then we'll have one listening as well. And the idea, the idea with broadcast net is that you don't have to change the bridge or any of the software. Um, to add new nodes, which is cool. And then one of the, the other things I was thinking is that when it logs to Adafruit IO, it will log to a bridge specific feed as well. So you can actually, if you have reliability problems where like it's a, I live in a three story house. I'm on the second floor. If the node is on the other side of the house and I only hear it once in a while, I could actually make another bridge closer to it and then they both kind of independently report the, the values that they hear. So it's like another, like, you don't have to worry about everything else. You just add another bridge and therefore you get like some redundancy in listening for values. Um, I was, I, I, I really think broadcast net's pretty neat, but then again, like if you have Wi-Fi, you could just all do it with Wi-Fi. Um, but I think, at the time we did broadcast net bridge, maybe that was pre-ESP32 S2, actually. When was that guide written? Uh, there's three unresolved feedbacks. I'm so bad at that. First published 2020. But the ESP32 S2 came out after that, right? March of 2020. I have no idea. The feather came out just recently. Uh, Magtag we did a lot of work for. And that's November of 2020. So yeah, I think I think throughout 2020 is when we're doing the S2. Is that right? Hmm. Funhouse is S2. April of 21. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah, I think we must have done broadcast net before we had Wi-Fi. What's your standard work regarding compiler warnings? Uh, generally I fix them, but the compiler warnings you were seeing go by are ESP IDF ones. So I was ignoring those. Okay. So we're flashed 
And now I'm just switching to the other USB port for native USB. And I should get a second um, second circuit Python drive showing up here. So let's see, what do we want to put on this? So here it actually shows up as CircuitPy1. Hey, and you can see my Wi-Fi password. Don't come to my house. That's not cool. Um, let's close that and rename it. That was the Wi-Fi test. And then let's look in. Bundles, examples, Beely, broadcast net, exponential backoff, simple test. Oh, there's a scan test. That's probably what we should be using. Copy there, name, code.py, and Maybe what we do is we split here and we do another TO dev serial by ID USB expressive no R. I really like this serial by ID. It's really nice. And let's just control D it. I don't know why control D is so slow. Okay. Mm. Unexpected Maker just did a PR for their new S3 boards for TinyUF2. <laughs> really? Remember that magic you did on the CircuitPython repo to not build every board on the on every PR? Time for that on TinyUF2, I think. You could do that. Or you could file an file an issue on the tiny UF two stuff and point to it. It's not too hard, but I don't I don't does tiny UF two split jobs, split board jobs? I don't even know. But yeah, I mean I'm excited for your PR for CircuitPython to support your new S three boards. So we're grabbing the library. Beely broadcast net copy there. Restarted and now it needs the Beely library. You folks who use Circup are probably <laughs> your heads are exploding right now, aren't they? Not implemented. <laughs> Working on that right now. Yay. You need GitHub Actions Foo for the build what changed stuff. All right, so let's see what is on line 16 here. Oh, CPU temperature is not implemented. I could do that. First, let's just try setting it. 40. I'm surprised we don't have CPU temperature, actually. 
Yeah, so the way that this works, so the way that BroadcastNet works is that it has a sensor measurement advertising class where you can set a value on it, and then it also, oh, I don't include the sequence number, but there's a sequence number slot so that you can increment the sequence number and your bridge or your data that's with the bridge can know when, you, when it misses uh, things. So you can get an idea of like how reliable it's transmitting. So let's go over here and do scanning, broadcasting. Ha! <laughs> Yay! It found it. It just crashed. Um, I don't know why it's not infinitely scanning. <laughs> I have microcontrollers scattered all over my desk. I have bins per manufacturer, so I have like, I have a giant bin for SAMD and STMs, and then I have like a overflowing bin for ESPs and NRFs. That's kind of how I, and then I have a separate place for Adafruit specific boards and all different ways of organizing them. And a lot are on my desk right now too. All right, so let's continue trimming this down so that it, uh, create group missed message counts create feed Let's see if that does it so this is successfully like broadcasting every so often. It's completed. It should be it should be scanning forever, I thought. Oh, there's one. It went real fast because it didn't actually log in. Um, but here's, so here's like the feed name. So it's the Mac address of the, it should be the Mac address of the bridge and then the Mac address of the sensor. And then here's the different values. You have missed message count. So that's based on the sequence number. And then you have like, uh, the, the field, the temperature and what the value is. Um, so they have a, the, the one caveat is that they have the same notion of what the um, the fields in the in the Adafruit sensor measurement are. So we have two things we could do in the next 25 minutes. One is I could try to get CPU temperature working, which I'm surprised does not work. Let me just look at that first. And then the scanning is the other thing that I would like to figure out. So the CPU temperature is going to be in common hell microcontroller processor. 
processor get temperature. Oh, I'm in NRF. I'm playing Bluetooth soft device. That's not the right place. Espressif. Do we really not have CPU temperature? That surprises me. Processor. Oh, if does the S3 not have the ability to measure it? Or it's just not implemented. Paging unexpected maker. Can we read the CPU temperature of the S3? It's really nice to have This is for the C3. Yeah, th they at least have these um, nice caveats that it's really not the external temperature. But it is really nice to have a sample source. S3. Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, peripherals, not supported. IDF 1793. How do we find that? Touch sensor. <laughs> the Israel Defense Force, that's not what I mean by IDF. Look like it. It might not be supported yet. What do they have issues? Nope. They have an internal bug tracker too. Not sure how to read it. Thank you, Unexpected Maker. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that doesn't look like the IDF supports it yet. Which means that I'm kind of at a loss. We could look and see what the data sheet says, but I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> could just be like, hey, like, we care about this. We'd like to use it. It's great for demos like this one. Um, for now, let's just take a look at scanning because I thought infinite scanning should work. Um, so let's go into BLEIO. Adapter, start scan. Oh, there's this, um, not yet in 4.4. Not supported in 4.4. I wonder if they added it. I wonder if we could backport it. It probably depends on some other stuff. Bummer.
Uh, thanks for the reference, Unexpected Maker. I appreciate it. All right. Well, not implemented error is the right thing to do. In that case, let's turn on BLE debugging. So in CircuitPy, could make, is this where it is? Verbose BLE. Here we go. So I have some debug statements that are behind this verbose BLE flag. Um, and then let's add a debug print to, where's the scan event? So here's the unsupported scan event. And let's just do a print here too. Scan done to know that that's what's finishing it up. And then I thought that timeout here, timeout times a thousand. Let's just print it out. So let's see, which one are we talking to? <laughs> this one's still going. This is the one that keeps finishing. Just this one, I think. So I'm not using the UF2 loader at all. I'm I just do the flash thing. See YouTube chat. Is it probably not looping because the timeout for the scan isn't defined? Yeah, I don't know what the default value is. Um, that's something I will look at. Because the library could be adding a default value. Or... Um, or the native code is. So we can look in shared bindings, to shared bindings to see what the native code does for timeout. So BLEIO adapter, start scan. It says, ugh, timeout optional float none. And then timeout none. If timeout is none, is not none, get it. Otherwise, it looks it's like it's set to zero. 
it checks to make sure that it's not zero. If timeout's not equal to zero, make sure that it's less than the interval. So I think what we would expect is it to be zero. Right. So, okay, we're here. Oh, it didn't work. Pro tip, if you try to flash from here and it doesn't work, it's because you're um, connected via the serial link. Yeah, we could we could backport if if they've added it if it, if they've added the temperature read in 5.0, we could probably backport the code from there and just like directly into our stuff. Yeah, Roy, it sounds like you have a KMK problem. I think that's the conclusion to ship it will come to you. If you can use NeoPixels straight with your RGB, but they can't with KMK, then there's something weird. Okay. This process takes a little while. Flashing to the ESP. I just put headphones on and I'm just like going when I'm doing this. <laughs> All right. that up, restart this, USB is live, the bridge heard it, okay so we got two scan done prints, one thing that's interesting is that this, the capitalized scan done was printed before The other one? The other one is in the callback, which is what I would expect to show up first. Let's hit Control D to rerun it again and we'll print out the timeout. Scan timeout zero. So I wonder if. It's weird that this scan done. happens before the other one <laughs> right so if we look at adapter scan timeout is zero we should double check that the nimble API oh 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 wait I did capitalize it okay so it is doing discovery complete and so we need to figure out whether BLE gap discovery, what happens if we give it a timeout of zero? 
there might be a different value that we want to indicate forever. Um, so the place to look for that is I actually have two text windows open and the second one here is with the nimble API. There's one that I'm editing the code.py stuff in. So there's Bealy gap H and that's where discovery call is duration in milliseconds. Uh, specify zero to use the stack defaults, right? So we're not doing forever, we're doing stack default. So what we're gonna wanna do is we're gonna wanna do this Bealy HS forever, um, which I'm curious what the value of that is. Oops. Get uh, RG that. Int 32 max. <laughs> So it's not actually forever, it's just in 32 max. So what we can do here is in our adapter code, now that we know uh, this constraint about zero, um, we can say, let's just do, let's call this timeout ms. We could even call it duration to match. Duration ms equals that. I'm not going to print it out anymore. Good. This will be a nice small fix there. And then we can say if duration ms equals zero, we mean BLEHS forever. Forever. Which, let's see, how many milliseconds is int 32 max? Because that's kind of interesting. If if you're meant to like set this set this thing up for a year and just let it run, like how many how long would it run until it actually stops? Because <laughs> it's in thirty two max. Zero equals forever, or a thirty two bit max is practically forever. So zero zero is meant to mean forever in Circuit Python. In Nimble, the BLE stack that we're using, it, it means the default value, which is not forever. Which is why we're doing this. So let's disconnect again. And reload. Usually I'm not switching the USB back and forth. I usually have just two of them plugged into the same side. Are you asking us to solve the halting problem? No. I'm not trying to determine if it'll halt or not. I'm just, I guess it, they could special case it later to mean, like, I don't, I don't know whether they internally track the timeout or not. <laughs> Sorry to sleep, keep you awake, Tanu. Feel free to sleep on stream. I do some weeks and folks don't even realize. It's just Friday afternoon, I'll tell you that much. What are the units on the timeout value? I think they're microseconds, yep. Or milliseconds, I think they're milliseconds. Microseconds would be US. 
does CP equal NT? Oh man, there's computer science people in the audience. Halting problem and P equals NT. That is a long time then. Okay, great. Friday afternoon, Yanni's. 24 days if milliseconds. But yeah, that's not that long. It is signed as well. So it's 2 to the 31. It's not unsigned. It's like almost 80 degrees in here. That's part of the reason why I'm sleepy. It's nice and warm. All right, let's switch it. This will be a good thing to go out on if, if it works. All right, so we plugged it back in. Let's switch to here. Circuit Pi drive showed up. I guess I could get the networking stuff going. Good night, Dishipu. Sleep well. Sleep well. All right, we're getting multiple sensor readings in. Twenty-four days is forever to the average zoomer. But like the me the the point of this thing is that it's meant to just run forever, and that's like thousands of TikToks. <laughs> Are we just measuring everything in TikToks now? Is that the unit we should use for time? How many TikToks? Cool. Well, this is working. Uh, I feel like I should show all the I/O integration, but I don't really feel like figuring out what my I.O. keys are, um, which is why, oh, I'm going to yawn again. Sorry. <laughs> As is, it's really neat. Thank you, Keith. I think, I feel like I should, while we're talking about it, I should put a while loop around it. I don't ever want to get to scan done. Actually, you know what we did look at? We tried to see if it's... It's used in examples. Like, it could be used as a sentinel value. In 32 max. Yeah, I don't actually, uh-oh. Something disappeared. I think I'm in safe mode. Uh-oh. What happened? Assertion format not equal null failed. I had this, I saw this before. I was trying, hmm. Format not equal null. 
That doesn't make any sense to me. How do I figure out what devices can listen for these advertisements? What version of Bluetooth do they need to have? So Bluetooth 4.0 should work okay. Um, that's without ex with without um, extended advertisements. I think I actually added a thing to prevent you from going over the limit of extended advertisements because I don't if I remember right the. I don't think the Raspberry Pi can actually listen for extended advertisements. So I think if you try to send too much data, it will actually just do, um, if you do too much data, then it will actually just do multiple advertisements to like push out all the data. Um, But yeah, version of Bluetooth, I think like 4.0, like any Bluetooth low energy should work. It's just advertisements and scanning. Um, C Python, you can run with dash C1 to turn off assertions. Yeah, this is a debug build. That's part of the reason. And I should figure it out because I saw that. This is, it has to do with printing out an exception. I added this cool thing um, yesterday. There's this, uh, not, not insured bindings. I added this check nimble error and it, uh, oh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what that was from. Um, I thought it had to do with this, but it, it must be a different exception that it's having a problem with. Uh, but I came up with this, so there's this check nimble error, and then it takes file and line number. And then I added a macro check nimble error that automatically adds the file and line number. It's really, it, for my debugging yesterday, it was really handy. So, like, there's a lot of calls. Like, for doing one thing, there may be, like, three or four calls to nimble um, in order to make it happen. And so you could just say, like, after each of those calls, I say, check check the return and in proper CircuitPython, it'll raise an exception. Well, it, what it does, it raises an exception. And if it's a debug build, the exception string includes the line number and the file number of the exception and the, and the error code. So that was really handy. Um, Keith says, this is exactly a branch of project I can see a lot of labs using. First grad students building a coffee mo monitor and quickly scaling to other small monitoring tasks. It's so neat how easy it is to set up and get running. That's the hope. Yeah, so extended is just longer. Um, Pierre says, I use NRF Connect on my phone to see the whole list of what's around me. The list is crazy long where I live and I don't li even live in a condo tower. Yes, that's why I did scanning first. It's because like if scanning is working, you get a lot of results. Um, so yeah, you can now use the ESP S3 to do scanning stuff as well. But yeah, this is this has been super nice. And I don't know why this assertion is happening. I think it's something separate. Um, it is weird that it went into safe mode. It would be great to see a backtrace of like what is handing in a null format. I thought it was 
the file name thing, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I think we successfully finished the scan stuff. Um, so I could just do a quick, I'll just call it, I'll just call it my, I'm toast. It's the weekend for my brain. Uh, let's switch over to the camera and notes. So thank you everyone for another deep dive. Uh, as a reminder, uh, I'm Scott. I'm sponsored by Adafruit to do these streams and to work on CircuitPython. Uh, if you want to support them, go to adafruit.com, purchase some hardware there that looks neat to you. Uh, you could find something that is a project that you've always wanted to do there. There's lots of tutorials and stuff. Um, if you'd like to chat with me and a bunch of others working on CircuitPython and all sorts of different things, uh, you can join us on Discord at Adafruit, A-D-A-F-R-U.it slash Discord. That's our short link uh, for Adafruit. Um, yeah, we're on there, and that's what this middle box that I can't point to is. That's the Discord channel uh, of live broadcast chat. Uh, we'd love to have you there. The The other streams, chats disappear at that point, so uh, that's why Discord's great. Um, deep dives happen every week, normally Fridays at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific, unless I take the week off. Next week should be normal, uh, so seven, seven days from now, one week from now, uh, we'll have another deep dive. Hopefully I've made a lot of progress on connecting over VLE. That would be great. Um, typically it goes for two hours or more, um, right around two, two hours today. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll take, well, I'll look at Unexpected Makers PR next week. I won't wait for it, but they're, they're just about ready. So that's exciting. Um, last up, all notes are available on GitHub at uh, github.com slash adafruit slash deep dash dive dash notes. Uh, thank you to DCD, David, for taking those notes for us. And thanks for Patrick for automating the scraper and maintaining the scraper and getting all of those uh, notes in there and linked up. It's super helpful. So with that, I will uh, thank you all. I'll switch to cat cam, give the cat a pet, and then call it a day. Have a great weekend, everyone. Cat cam. Cat cam. <laughs> oh boy. Now to sleep. But the sun's gone. More often than not, after the stream, he gets on my lap because I just got him interested in more pets. All right.